into it. I just need to let you know, Shane Willard is uh, an incredible communicator. You saw a little clip of him there before. He is absolutely phenomenal at just drawing truths out and explaining some of the truths in Scripture in a way that you just hadn't ever thought of before. He is quite incredible, and he is speaking next Sunday night at our 5 p.m. service, and he's also doing an evening with us the following, the next Monday night, so the very next night, so we're doing Sunday night, Monday night. I really encourage you to come on out. Uh, it's the holidays, so bring uh, bring your small group. You can do like a, a, a holiday kind of catch-up on the Monday night. I really encourage you to do, do not miss Shane Willard next Sunday. He's phenomenal, so make sure you put that in your diary. Well, the movie that I am speaking about today and drawing some, um, some thoughts from is the movie Wonder. Anybody here seen the movie Wonder? Right, only a couple of people. By the end of this, you are all gonna wanna go home and watch the movie Wonder. I'm gonna let you know what it is about. We're gonna watch a few clips from it this morning. Well, in the movie Wonder, we uh, see the story of a boy named August Pullman, but everyone calls him Augie. Now, the thing about Augie is that he is an ordinary kid, apart from the fact that he's born with a syndrome called the Treacher-Collins syndrome, which causes him to have some facial deformities. He's had 27 surgeries throughout his young life, which enabled him to see, hear, and speak, but they have left him with a number of shocking, initially shocking physical differences, and uh, in this movie, we get to know Augie a little bit. And one of the things we get to know about him is that he absolutely loves space. He loves space. He loves space travel. And someone along the journey gives him a spaceman helmet. And so he loves to wear this helmet because not only does it allow him to connect with the wonder of space and outer space and all the people who travel there, but it also gives him a safe place to hide away in when he goes out into the world. Now in the movie, Augie is 10 years old and his family decide it's time for him to go from being homeschooled, what he's currently doing, to going into mainstream schooling. And so his parents send him in to mainstream schooling, absolutely terrified about how everyone will accept him with his physical differences. And we are gonna take a look now at our first clip, which is a clip of Augie's first day at school. Thank you guys. I'll meet you right here after school, okay? Right here. I love you. Love you too. I'll see you later. Can you hear me? If they stare, let them stare. You can't blend in when you were born to stand out. We're gonna have a little man-to-man. Now. I gotta stop here because past this point is a no dad zone and you don't wanna walk up with your parents because it's not cool. But you're cool. I know I am, but technically most dads aren't, so neither are these helmets. Hey, two rules. First, only raise your hand once a class no matter how many answers you know, except for science. Second, you're gonna feel like you're all alone, Augie, but you're not. Check. Should we lose this? Come on. Costumes are for Halloween. Prepare for blast off. 
Love you too. Have fun. Bye. Have an excellent mission and Godspeed. We are ready to proceed at this time. Damn. Dear God, please make them be nice to him. Dear God, please let them be nice to him. The prayer of a desperate parent who's thrust her son into the world and her prayer is that someone would be kind to him. Someone would show him kindness. My oldest son Judah was only nine months old when Steve took him to a playgroup. Um, just in the local community here and took him to the playgroup and it was about mid-morning. Steve called me and to let me know that another child had bitten Judah on the cheek, like just lashed out, launched at him and bit him on the cheek. And as Steve was recalling the story to me and telling me about Judah's response to this cheek bite, my heart broke as I realised that he had just learned one of life's first lessons about humanity. Not everyone is kind to you all of the time. Not everyone was kind to Augie all of the time. Some people were deliberate in their responses toward him. Some people simply didn't know how to respond to a child that was different to everybody else. For some of them, they intended to be mean and nasty and cruel, but for others, they simply didn't show kindness when kindness should have been shown. We are gonna explore today this topic of kindness through the movie Wonder. I'm gonna draw out this theme out of this movie, but I'm gonna use scripture to convince us that it is our mandate. Because I really believe that as Christians, it is our mandate. It is our responsibility to, in a world where not everyone is kind all of the time, and in a world where people, doesn't matter what their life is, doesn't matter what they look like, can journey through it feeling like Augie or like Augie's mum and dad, it is our responsibility to be the ones who show kindness and grace and love. And so we're gonna look at Ephesians chapter four, verse, starting at verse 31, it's in your notes. It says, let all bitterness, kindness and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself as a, gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant, fragrant offering to God. See, this scripture is giving us a standard for the kindness that we are called to live by. But this isn't just your everyday average kindness. This is heavy duty kindness. This isn't just a smile and a handshake. This isn't just being polite and saying hello. This is next level kindness and you and I are called to it. You and I are called to show biblical kindness, not worldly kindness, and they are two very different things. See, worldly kindness often has an ulterior motive. Worldly kindness, it's like a facade. It's pleasantries, it's niceties, it's good manners. Uh, it's predictable because 
We are taught to have good manners. We are taught to be polite when we're growing up. See, worldly kindness is predictable. Worldly kindness is offered when the moment fits, when it seems like this is a good moment to use my taught kindness and my taught manners, I'm gonna use it. But biblical kindness is completely different to this. Biblical kindness is counterculture in its nature. See, when the world withholds kindness in an appropriate situation, we are actually called to give it. The Bible says that we are to love our enemies and what? Pray for those who persecute us. That is different to what the world teaches us about kindness. The biblical kindness holds firm in the face of malice and slander. Biblical kindness holds firm when others are not being kind or treating you very well. Biblical kindness is almost scandalous. It's sacrificial, it's not about you. Biblical kindness is modelled to us by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Come on church, that's next level kindness. That's a whole nother level to go to when you are showing someone kindness, right? And we are called to live by it. Amazing. I'm gonna ask the team to show you another clip now. And then I'm gonna um, give you some practical points that I believe you and I can live by. Uh, but I wanna introduce them to you through this clip. Thanks. Can anybody tell me what this word means? Anybody? No? Precepts are rules for really important things. Like mottos. Like mottos or like famous quotes or like um, lines from a fortune cookie, right? Precepts can help motivate us. They can help guide us when we have to make decisions about really important things, okay? So who wants to read this month's precept? <laughs> What about you? What's your name? Summer. Summer. Want to give it a shot? When given the choice between being right or being kind, choose kind. Augie's teacher gives his class something to live by. When given the choice between being right and being kind, choose kind. And so in your notes, I want you to write down this morning this point. Choose kind over right. Choose kind over right. We all have those people in our world who always have to be right. Am I right? You know, they always have to be right and they always have to have the last say. The problem with living with this characteristic, with this desperate need to be right all of the time is that we so often leave everyone around us feeling wrong all of the time. Judah, our oldest again, he plays football and uh, he is in the rep team, the eight-year-old rep team. And recently they had a tournament, an all-day tournament. And their team, our team, made it to the semi-finals. They played really great games. They made it to the semi-finals. They were playing a team and they got to the very end of the game right before the whistle blew and we scored a goal. But the goal was illegally disallowed. Then in overtime, the opposite team scored a goal, but it was illegally allowed. It, was, it didn't actually go in the goal, but the ref allowed it. Let me just say there was a little bit of pressure happening from the sideline of the parents of the opposing team. They were getting all crazy. Now, in order for 
the scorecard to be placed in and for the team to be able to play in the final, the two coaches of the teams playing had to agree on the scorecard before they can put it in. Now, while our team, our coach, was off disputing the score because we had seen some illegal you know, things go on that we disagreed with, we went to the organisers to dispute the score. In the meantime, the opposing team simply took the final field and began playing the final. I know. (laughs) The organiser of the tournament agreed that we should have won the game and we should be playing in the final, so goes on to the field and stops the game. Drama much. Stops the game and says, no, you shouldn't be playing. These guys should be playing. Let's just say there was a bit of friction between the, the teams, the, the grown-ups in the team, not even the kids in the team, the grown-ups of the teams. To be right carried some really good arguments on our part. Like we could have argued that point and we could have come out right. Because being right felt like what we were entitled to. Being right made sense for us. Being right was right, right? But we have a coach who believes in godly kindness. And while it went against everything in us, and we were like, this is just not fair. We walked away from the game and we handed the opposing team the final and just said, you know what? You guys go on and you play. And I was so proud of our boys because they sat on the sideline and they cheered throughout the whole final. When it comes to choosing right or being kind, choose kind. In John chapter eight, we read a story where Jesus is standing in a crowd and a woman who's been caught in adultery is thrown at the feet of Jesus by teachers of the law and some Sadducees and Pharisees. And, and that he's the, she's thrown down in front of him and they're saying to Jesus, stone her. Listen to what they say in John chapter eight. It says, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Now there's something we've got to know when we're reading this passage of scripture is that by law, they were right. The law in the Old Testament says that if a man and a woman are found caught in the act of adultery, you, they are both to be put to death. So by law, they were right. And if Jesus had, in fact, begun to stone them, by law, he would have also been right. But listen to what Jesus does. Verse six, they were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept commanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down and began writing in the dust again. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with a woman till only Jesus was left. Then Jesus stood up and again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. 
And Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more. Now here is what we need to know, and that is that Jesus knew the law better than the accusers. I have spent many, many years confused by this story because I was unsure as to what was going on. Now I cannot tell you, I still do not know what Jesus wrote in the sand that day. And I would give my left arm to know what He wrote in the sand that day. Not quite my left arm, maybe. I'll just ask Him when I get to heaven. But What I have learnt is that in Deuteronomy 17 verse six, it says, the one who is condemned to die is to be executed, so that's the woman, to be executed on the testimony of two or three witnesses. No one is to be executed on the testimony of a single witness. I love how Jesus uses the very law that these Pharisees tried to trick him with to set this woman free. He could not stone her because there were no witnesses left. He couldn't do it on his own because she by law had to be executed in front of two or three witnesses. How cool is Jesus? Like what a dude. See, Jesus wasn't just about being right. He was about being kind. He wasn't just about seeking truth. He was about seeking and showing grace. And when it came to being right or being kind, he chose kind. Well, in fact, if you're Jesus, you kind of you get to be both kind and right because you're Jesus. But you and I are not Jesus. And there will be circumstances where you have to choose between being right and being kind. And can I implore you to be kind? Show kindness. Number two, be kinder than necessary. Be kinder than necessary. A quote by the author of Wonder, which is not in the movie, as far as I know, it's in the book though, says this, kinder than is necessary because it is not enough to just be kind. One should be kinder than needed. See, the kindness that Jesus teaches us is a kinder than necessary kindness. It's kinder than needed. In Matthew 5, verse 38, it says this, you have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. Jesus ups the ante on kindness. He says, this is where kindness for everybody else sits. But for you, my followers and my people, this is where the new level, new standard of kindness now is. He turns the table on worldly kindness and he says, no, no, no. We are gonna be kinder than necessary. We are gonna be kinder than needed. He says, if someone takes your shirt, give them your coat as well. He gives us a whole new standard of living. Why? Why? Because kinder than necessary is what speaks. Kinder than needed is what speaks to people of the love and grace and goodness of God. See, everybody can be regular kind. Everybody can be normal, everyday kind. It's what we're taught to do as a child. It's the least we can expect from fellow humans. In fact, if you don't show at least a little bit of manners and a little bit of courtesy, then like, you know, like it's not okay, right? Everybody can smile at someone. 
Everybody can say hi. Everyone can help when someone when it's obvious that someone needs help. It's the above and the beyond. It's the going the extra mile that speaks volumes to people about the God that you serve and about the love that you are bringing that from. Kinder than necessary is what speaks to people about who God is and what He's done in your life. It's why as a church, we so value our dream team and what they do because the values of the dream team, the heart behind the dream team is that it doesn't matter whether you are a first time visitor or whether you've been in this church for the 33, 34 years that we've been running, that you are welcomed as family, that you are one of us, that you are called home to be here. It's why when we're out in the car park on a rainy day, our incredible car park team be out there getting absolutely soaked, holding an umbrella over you so that you can get into church dry. Why? Because that kind of kindness, biblical kindness, speaks volumes to those who walk in this place who do not know Jesus and need to see the love of God in action. It's why when we hold a funeral here, a family, someone's loved one has passed away and we, we help them with their service. It's why we go above and beyond. We say, can we help you with the catering? Can we, can we sort out the teas and coffee? What can we do to help you? Can we get your slideshow sorted? What do you need from us? Because we know that there are gonna be people in that service who do not know Jesus and can experience a kinder than necessary kindness that will show them just how incredible the love of our God is. Are you with me, church? Anyone can be kind. It takes a generous spirit to be kinder than necessary. Amen? Number three, number three, Don't skip your editing process. Don't skip your editing process. Now, I know I'm not the only one who's had moments where maybe my response does not reflect my usual countenance. Like it kind of reflects my mean streak. We all have a mean streak. And you know those moments where you get home at the end of the day and you're reflecting and you're like, oh, did I really say that? Oh, why did I say it like that? Oh, I can't believe I said that, right? We all have a mean streak. Anybody ask, you guys are really, you're such good Christians. It's probably just me. (laughs) Beth Moore says this. She says, kindness gets worn down when we are. So true, right? When we get tired and worn down, we lose the filter on our tongue. See, we are all writing our story. Every time we speak, we're being writers of our own story and our own destiny. But we don't have editors who check our speech before it comes out of our mouth. You know, the beauty of an editor to an author is that they look through their writing and ask the question, do you really wanna say that? And do you really wanna say it like that? Sometimes when Steve and I send difficult emails, we'll send them to each other and we'll say, I don't think you really wanna say that. There's an editing process that takes place with the written word and we need to make sure that we have an editing process that takes place with our spoken word as well. See, the editing process happens in your devotion time. The editing process happens when you spend time in the word. The editing process happens when you spend time in prayer. The editing process happens when you allow time in the Holy Spirit to become your editor. So that when you are tired and worn down, the damage 
of your mouth is limited. The Bible speaks about the heart. It says out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And so when we're tired and we're worn down, what comes out of the overflow? We gotta make sure it's well edited before it comes out. We gotta make sure we limit the damage because we know that the overflow is coming from a place where we've spent time in the Word, we've spent time in prayer and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us. If we are going to live a life of biblical kindness, don't skip the editing process. Don't skip the editing process. I'd love for the band to join me and I would love to show you the very last clip of our movie, Wonder. Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, graduates. Final award this morning is the Henry Ward Beecher Medal. To honor students who have been notable or exemplary, usually it's a good works, a service award. But I came upon a passage that he wrote which made me realize that Good works come in many forms. Greatness, he wrote, lies not in being strong, but in the right using of strength. He or she is the greatest whose strength carries up the most hearts by the attraction of his own. Without further ado, this year, I am very proud to award the Henry Ward Beecher Medal to the student whose quiet strength has carried up the most hearts. So, will August Pullman please come up here to receive this award? deserve a standing ovation at least once in our lives. My friends do. My teachers do. My sister does for always being there for me. My dad does for always making us laugh. And my mom does the most for never giving up 
on anything, especially me. It's like that last preset Mr. Brown gave us. Be kind, for everyone is fighting hard battle. And if you really want to see what people are, all you have to do is look. Be kind, for everyone is facing a hard battle. Would you stand to your feet, church? I'd love for you, uh, I'd love to be able to pray over you before I hand back to Steve. Father, we thank You, Lord Jesus, for this new standard, this new level of kindness that You've called us to live by. And I pray, O oh Lord, that in circumstances and situations where we have an opportunity to choose right or choose kind, I pray that You would lead us to choose kindness. Father, I pray that You would give us ideas, creative ways and little reminders along the way to be kinder than necessary, kinder than needed, so that we may be able to speak to people through our actions about Your love that has transformed us. And Lord, I pray that You would fill each of us now with Your Holy Spirit, with Your Word and Your heart and Your character, that we may be able to, out of an overflow of You, that our words and our speech would show who You are. Thank You, Jesus, for calling us to this mandate and this responsibility. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Friends, I just want to read one last scripture this morning. It says this in Titus chapter 3. For when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Saviour, appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. You know, God has shown incredible kindness to each of us here by sending His own Son, Jesus, to die on a cross, to take the payment that you and I would do for our sin upon Himself. And He extends to you and I today, in His kindness, His free gift of grace, forgiveness for your sin, new life that begins right here, right now, hope for your future and eternity with Him in heaven. And I'd love to extend that invitation. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you've never started a journey with Him. Maybe you have, but that was a long time ago, or you've fallen away from God and you're not close with Him. Maybe you're here today, you need to get your life right with God. I wanna invite you now. Uh, I'm gonna pray a prayer. And I'd love to invite you to pray this prayer with me. If you could, everyone in this room, just bow your heads and close your eyes just for one more moment. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, or maybe your life is far from Him and you need to get your life right with Him today, I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. And I invite you to pray it with me in your heart. As I pray it out loud, you just pray it with me in your heart. But all, all you need to do is make this your prayer. This is your prayer, this is your day. To say these words, say, God, today, I surrender my life to You. I know that I've sinned. I know that I've messed up. But I believe, Jesus, You died for me. So right now, I turn from my old ways and I turn to You. I ask You to forgive me of all my wrongs. I choose now to place You as the Lord of my life. I ask You to come in now and make me brand new. I choose from this day to live for you in Jesus' name. Just so have your eyes still closed and head bowed, can I ask you to do something really brave? If you did pray that prayer, 
I want you to take a step of faith. I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to make you feel weird or awkward, but I do want to challenge you to take a step of faith today. I'm going to count to three. And if you prayed that prayer this morning, all I want you to do is simply acknowledge me. When I say three, you just lift your hand up nice and high. Just let me know that you prayed that prayer. I'd just love to, for that you would acknowledge me and take that step of faith. Are you ready? Either for the first time or coming back to God. One, two, three. Lift your hand up nice and high. Just say, Steve, that's me. That's me, yeah. God bless you right down the back. Yeah, God bless you, my man, right here. Yes, right there. Yes, in there. Anyone else? Saying, Steve, that's me. That's me. Yes, see you there. Yeah, right down the back, my man. I see you too. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, God, we thank you so much for your presence here today. God, I bless those all who've responded to your voice. Lord, I thank you for the life that you have for them. I thank you that the old is gone and the new has come. Lord, I bless them now. And God, I pray as a church, help us to be a church that is outrageously generous with our kindness. Lord, that we would freak this world out by the kindness that we show. Lord, to lead them towards a loving, kind, heavenly Father. Lord, I bless each one as we go from this place. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Can we just thank Bex for a great word? She's run away. Before you go this morning, church, just a couple of quick things. Number one, if you need prayer for anything, we have a great prayer team that will be down the front that would love to pray for you. If you're a guest, please come see us in our guest lounge. We took a missions offering up last week for Vietnam. If you'd still like to give in that, you can go see the info team. Tonight, 5 p.m., I'm gonna be preaching. We're gonna have a lot of fun. Bring your kids. We have a great kids program. Otherwise, church, be blessed. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you at five o'clock.